Hi, I'm Patrick Palmer, CEO and founder of Favro, and this is the Learn From Leaders podcast. The background is that Favro customers are enterprises that want to be more agile, software as a service companies that want to have more flat organizations while they grow, and the game developers and publishers that want to keep their marketing and product and operations in sync when they ship on a weekly basis. So we get to know some truly inspiring leaders and we interview them in this podcast so we can all learn from them. Let's go. All right. And uh, we are live uh, with um, Alexia at uh, Garina. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Patrick. We're glad to be here. All right, super. So uh, today we're going to talk about uh, better agility for teams that are not software devs. But before we get into that, it will be super interesting to kind of just get a bit of your your backstory, you know, what uh, led you up to what you do today, because you've been at a lot of quite different places. So that would be really cool. So I currently live and work in Sao Paulo. So Brazil in general, it didn't used to be a very large pole for the gaming industry. So we didn't have a lot of companies here in the gaming industry. And even though I was uh, passionate about gaming and I really wanted to work games, back when I started thinking of my career, moving to gaming was not very feasible. You know, we had very small studios. We didn't have any of the major publishers in here. So that's why I focused my career into technology. So that's why I got a, a major in computer science, started my career as a, a software developer. Pretty early in my career, I realized that my passion was into management. So I really enjoyed software management, software development management, engineering, software engineering, everything there was not exactly coding. I was a software developer, but pretty quickly I moved to PwC, where I worked as a technology consultant for four years, did some sort of software implementations, ERP. I also... During my time, we created an agency for the Brazilian government that was responsible for measuring the quality of the broadband, both fixed and mobile broadband in the country. So it was a very, very nice uh, project. We learned a lot during the time. But after four years in advisory, things were starting to change for the gaming industry in Brazil. Some of the bigger publishers started opening offices and I got, actually got hold of a position at Bright Games. They had a, a, a small office back in the day with some positions open and I got a position as a project manager at Riot Games. And that's when I started my my career in agility. So I was uh, pretty much doing classic PMIs project management by then. And that's when I actually got into the world of agility. So at Riot, I worked a lot of different teams as a development manager, which is the way they describe agile coaches or, or whatnot at Riot. So I worked with publishing, I worked with players, support, I work with infrastructure, and my challenges were always to implement better processes, implement agility, facilitation, and whatnot on those teams. So after four years at Riot, I actually watched the industry grow in Brazil. So I was sort of a part of that, seeing other studios opening offices in Brazil, seeing uh, some studio, local studios getting famous for games and whatnot. So it was very glad to be part of that, to see the industry growing, to see publishers to see the, the even consoles being officially launched in the countries, which were things that were not usual by then. So right now, game industry is growing in Brazil. When I was a riot, it was very, very hard to hire people that were experienced in the gaming industry. So we used it to hire people that 
were in technology or that were in companies that were related to entertainment, never people that were from the gaming industry, which is something that is changing right now. We actually have a pool of talent in the country that actually comes from gaming companies, which is very nice seeing the industry develop. So after four years at Riot, uh, I actually was on a, on a sort of a personal moment that I, for a career, both personal choice and career choice, whether I would move to headquarters, whether headquarters in Santa Monica, LA, or move out of Riot to a new challenge. But for personal reasons, I decided to move out of Riot. So that's when I joined the bank. The bank is a fintech, is actually the largest fintech in the world. It has over, like, now I think they have over 60 million clients. Uh, worldwide, most of them in Brazil, but they actually have some presence in other countries. It was an amazing experience joining a bank because it's a, it's a very, very fast growing company. It was a challenge for me. It's like I come in for four years of gaming. I used to be an advisor, but now I've come from gaming. Do I have the skills necessary to you know tackle uh, a new challenge into the financial industry? And I did have the, the skill necessary. I think a lot of the skills transferred to, to the bank, which was very, very good to see how, how things worked out back then. But after a year or so in a bank, I was approached by Marco, uh, which he, and he was creating within Garena a creative studio in Sao Paulo, which is a global creative studio that was supposed to serve the Free Fire players globally, but they were was uh, hosted in Sao Paulo. So I told you how now we have a lot of offices opening in Sao Paulo from big companies, but they're focused on local publishing, you know, so publishing the, all the games locally and whatnot. But with Garina, the story is a bit different. We actually have a creative studio that aims to create global experiences. So uh, our, our focus here is to target hundreds of millions of, of players uh, the play Garena's games worldwide, which is something that is sort of unique in the country. So this is why the challenge was so make my eyes you know, shine and I joined Garena and that's been almost two years now. I lead what we call the delivery team. So I have a team that is focused on creating all the workflows, implementing agility and make sure that we have a healthy and efficient environment for our talent to work in. That's my current challenge and we have been shipping amazing content for Free Fire and other Garena games for the past years. Okay, cool. So if we just take a bit of a step back, how do you sell Agile to non-developers? How do you explain both to teams, to executives, the value of it? So if you just go back to like, you know, the big why, you know, why is this important? I figured uh, the best way to introduce that, unless you have to do uh, a large process to, to you know, sell that, but if it's something that you can introduce naturally, that is a much better way of getting the results that you want of selling the processes. Because when you're on an environment that is of constant changing, then requires adaptability. I do think that agility is the best tool to implement. So you just don't need to sell agility. You just have to slowly introducing processes, concepts, and things that are related to agility. And the results just start appearing, you know, and people start wanting more of that because those processes, those frameworks actually actually help them work better, actually help them create better products, better games, better software. From the way I see it, if you don't have to, you know, make a big bang change from one process framework to another, just start by slowly introducing cultural aspects, then move to introducing processes. And this is one thing that I can't stress enough. 
If you just implement the process from agility, you're not doing agility. If you introduce the concepts, if you create a culture of agility, even though if you're running on classic business processes, you're already more agile because you, you have the culture. It can run, not, not ideal, but it can run agility on processes that are not tailored or so-called agile processes. So if the change comes slowly and start adapting and growing and introducing, that's a much better way of implementing agility. Because then again, agility is a mindset, it's a culture. So it, it doesn't matter if it's not software, if it's something completely different, if it's HR. If you introduce the culture, the concepts, that's a much better and more efficient way of introducing agility of implementing agility and that's definitely something that i tell everyone that asks me those questions focus on culture focus on concepts don't focus on processes processes will come out naturally when you start seeing those people people introduce the concept of collaboration so people start to wondering how can we collaborate better you know because the current processes that we have they're indeed not favoring collaboration we could collaborate more we could collaborate better that's when you start introducing processes or frameworks that are from agility that are focused on collaboration so be daily stand-ups be plannings or whatever tools you think are better for the moment or that will solve the problem they're trying to solve but always focus on making people want to solve their problems. I think this is the, the way that I've been implementing agility on the teams that I have been working with. And so far, I've been successful in all of them. So let me bounce something with you. Often when I speak to our clients, when you were talking about yourself, there was more than one company mentioned that have a lot of favorite users. But just generally, when I speak to people, often one thing that comes up uh, when we talk about you know agility and agile processes in, let's say, marketing, is that there's such a big amount of uncertainty today and very, very rapid change that more old-fashioned waterfall processes and, and let's say centralized processes, you know, they're just too slow. If you're making a game or, or any other product and you're dropping new features, dropping new content, you're dropping new events on a very frequent basis, you know, weekly or, or even more often, uh, there's just no chance to, to get that done well with the marketing and product and ops and everyone else actually being in sync doing that unless you actually have good processes, you know, for this. Has that been an important thing, you know, for you at, at Garena, you know, to, to get people to, to buy into it? Definitely, definitely. That That's, that's actually been one of the major challenges that we have. Back in the studio, we actually have a, a creative team. When we have a project, we actually divide the project team to two. We have a ops team that is contains the producers, that contains the marketing, that contains the product and all the creatives. And one of the things that we have been designing on our creative framework is how we introduce that communication and that collaboration to have uh, the best result possible. And so far, we, we have been iterating on this creative framework for a couple of years now. And I think right now we're running a project that everybody's pretty happy with. So both the creatives and the, the business team are super happy with the current framework that we're running on. Everybody was able to give their best to collaborate pretty well. And indeed, the Fiverr has been a part of that, right? We, we implemented Fiverr right at the beginning of the project. And what I really, really enjoy about Fiverr is its collaboration tools. It's how easy it is to work on multiple streams by, by using the same information, but seeing that differently. So we have the right amount of information 
information that you need, but extract that information from the same source, right? Uh, so that has been unbelievably valuable for us, and that's been very helpful in us for us in order to create uh, and run on the on our current creative framework, which have been like harshly iterated for the last couple two years. That's awesome to hear. So let's hear a little bit about the challenges then. I mean, what do you find to be the hardest with getting good agility in teams that are non-developers? And, you know, maybe also, you know, what are your, because you've done this many times now, what are your kind of tricks that could be good tips, you know, for, for our audience here today? So major challenge is always to deconstruct the way they approach work. Right, because they are used to work some way. Some of them come from advisory firms. Some of them come from really big tech companies, not the big tech Google, but like telecom companies. They're super big, super robust. They have super defined process. So when you, you bring them to uh, essentially a company that is uh, smaller in scale, that is super fast, super rapid change in environment, they really have trouble adapting to this fast-paced environment or adapting to a new way of working, to a new approach of working. Because when you work on, on classical process, you usually have the single bullet and really have to plan the whole project very well because you need to have the single bullet that, that hits a bullseye. Uh, however, when you're working on really fast-changing environments, you don't need to have that single bullet, you know, you can keep working, keep it iterating, keep designing, you can have feedback loops. And that sometimes is very hard uh, to introduce people that have never worked on, on, on those type of environments because they have that feeling that they really need to hit the nail the first time they present something. And so we really have to deconstruct how they see work to a, a, a spot where they are comfortable presenting stuff they are not done yet, presenting stuff that is hard work in progress. And everybody's okay with that because if we have, uh, we can present work in progress earlier and get feedback earlier, then you can align stakeholders and can align with uh, vendors. They can check if the progress, if what you're building is building towards the right objectives, the right way. So my tips and tricks are to, you know, if you are hiring people there, do not come from those type of environments, try introducing them to the concepts as early as possible, you know, break the concept in them, a way of working that needs to hit they, they just want to present, oh, I have, a, I'm creating a deck. I'm going to present you the deck when it's finished, two weeks from now. Like, no, how about we, we check on that twice a week and you can show me your progress, you know, so I can help you do that. So break that, the way of working from people and try to make them collaborate more. So that's, that's step number one. Step number two uh, is to don't, really don't have to say agility. You don't really need to mention the names or introducing the concepts. Try to show in the processes that you know they're going to improve their, their life, know that they're going to improve their work. Because once they see the value of the processes that we're introducing to them, when you try to bring the whole package, you, so now I showed a bit, I put you the carrot, the, the, the candy. Now let me introduce you to this world called agility and why is that important? So once you have your team uh, bought into why introducing these processes is a good idea, then you can actually introduce as the agility as a comp said, you can actually look for formal education. So you can educate your team, uh, into what's necessary for you to run a great agile team. And then from that, you know, the levels of maturity just start growing. Never, never try to over deliver, you know, take your time, let your team take their time, let them learn slowly because it's very, it's somewhat, you know, it, Sometimes we hire, we hire people that have decades of working a single way. It takes time to break that and really need 
to let your team have their time breaking that, deconstructing that, and learning this new way of working. So that's a very valuable tip there. Take all the time is that let people take their time to learn. Another tip that I really can stress enough is that you have, need to have a plan. Even though we are talking about letting them take the time, we really need to understand what are the major issues that your team has and what are the tools that you need to implement to solve the problem. So I always say that a great project manager, agile code or agile professional, they have a toolbox with a lot of tools and they know the best tool to solve the right problem. You know, personally, not a fan of what some people call, you know, pure Scrum or pure Kanban or pure frameworks. I always believe that you need to bring the right to the right moment. Try to learn as much tools as you can and make an assessment of what's the best tool to solve your team's problem at a given time. And also you start helping them solve their problems. You're just going to have a much better time doing everything else that you need. A team that is happy with the way they're working, you can just once that once that starts working out great, you just can make any change that you want essentially. You know, once you have a team that is bought onto what you're trying to bring to them, once they understand the changes that you're proposing are going to improve their, their efficiency or, or their approach to work, they just, you know, it's you're gonna have a much easier time implementing what you what you desire. I have a question to you about something you said there. You said that, you know, sometimes people come in, you know, with very long experience. You have to break some of those patterns to get into to more agile way of working. I'm guessing here what we're really talking about is the whole uh, de-learning to be able to learn, right? But that can often, you know, be easier said than done. I mean, what's your advice to the process of de-learning? Because all of us that, you know, have the experience of hiring people that come in with a lot of experience, uh, you know, you're always going to have a bit of that challenge, right? Uh, and I would love to hear, you know, how do you tackle, let's say, the de-learning, you know, challenge? I just never mention the name of frameworks or, oh, what we're trying to implement is Scrum or whatnot. I just really try to make it clear what are the challenges that we have and some of the tools that I am proposing that are going to solve the problems. And I, then I try to buy into them. Oh, can we try this for a while, you know? So you don't need to have everyone 100% on board when you're trying to implement something, but you need to get them convinced enough to try what you're, what you're suggesting, you know? So sometimes, can you trust me on this? Let's try this for a while, you know? So if you try for a while and they start seeing the results and they try, they start seeing the benefits of what you're, you're proposing, then they start, you know, lowering their defenses and then you, then you can start introducing. And once they realize that you're already running a lot of agile processes, you're running a much more agile company or team or whatever, you know? So that's always the way I have been introducing our the iterative process of implementing agility. <laughs> so that's essentially what I'm doing. So I'm implementing agile all sometimes also has to be iterative. And, and that's my lesson, you know, working bits and bits and constructing. It's very important to have a plan. This is the things I'm introducing. I'm going to give the team this much time to adapt. Then I'm going to introduce this new concept. I think sometimes if you try to turn the key too quickly, it's too much information and people don't have the time to absorb or even understand what works and what doesn't. So I always make a plan and always try to make iterative changes. So give them two weeks or give them a month to adapt before I introduce a new change or a new, a new increment of my agile implementation. So doing that, you leave people time to absorb, you know, to understand what works for them, make them adapt 
and it makes for a much easier uh, time if you do that, especially for people that have a large experience that have a much uh, harder time learning what have they have been doing other careers. Cool. I have a final question for you. Actually, a favor question because you know earlier you mentioned you know your your implementation of favorable, and when it comes to agile tools, most of them are designed with you know engineers and IT departments in mind. Everything from you know simpler tools to let's say more old-fashioned enterprise platforms like Jira and so forth. So all of them they really come from more of let's say an engineering and IT point of view. And since we today are talking about agility for non-developers, I would really like to hear, you know, what was your process to select Favro and get basically get started? I mean, because there's obviously a lot of tools out there, right? There's indeed a lot of tools there. So I did have a lot of features that I expected from all the tools I evaluated. And when we did this evaluation, we evaluated, I think, five tools that are currently in the market. To me, the major reason we chose uh, Favor was due to its major ability to enable collaboration. So I do think a lot of the tools have some of features that are very good in order to promote collaboration, but I don't think any of them do it as well as Favor does. Both a couple things, collaboration and enabling, as I said, enabling multiple work streams work the same information. So I think those are the killer features that enable us and that made me very comfortable to bring Favor to our team. So one of the things that happens here is that for example, when we are creating a concept for a new character, uh, we have the art team working on that. We have the narrative team working on that. We also have the markets team working on that. And those three teams have completely different work streams. What Favor does, Favors enable us to have those three work streams happening at the same time. But for me, who's managing the project or for whoever is managing the producer that is managing the development of this, of this asset, they can just see the progress of the two teams pretty easily. And I haven't seen any of the, of the other tools doing that. So that has enabled all our, our teams to work on their creative processes uh, or on their business processes or, or whatever they need to accomplish, but then can bring that all together uh, as one single team and collaborate together on that. So to me, that's the reason why we chose Favor and, and that's been turning out very well for us. I think it, it has indeed enabled us to, to work better together. That's great to hear. I mean, this is what you're talking about is basically one of the main things we wanted to achieve. I mean, one of the other principles is really, you know, to bring people together on the thing that you need to collaborate around. Even if, for example, in this case, if we talk about a certain asset, it's something that will be worked on in, in several different work streams. I think the problem with basically how every other tool is designed is that they, they shop everything into pieces, into, you know, like tickets, and then you start getting siloed. So it really promotes very non-agile culture. Did you use any other tool before? Was it hard to get people to switch? So actually, we were making an evaluation and we did use another two before. When I introduced it to the team, the fact that Favro had that native, the fact that you collaborate on the same item or, or card for multiple teams, for multiple visions, for multiple boards and collections and whatnot, that's just when I had the team on my head, you know, because everybody wanted the feature for so long because the feature we was in didn't have that. So that was definitely an easy sell, you know, <laughs> and I showed them that the feature that was essentially a very easy way to convince everyone to switch. Favor has a very interesting way of working because you don't have exactly 
hierarchy of information that works as a tree. It's more of a, a, a graph. So for me, computation, that's computer science, that's easy to understand. But for people that are very used to organizing things in even a very hierarchical way, that can be a bit of a challenge. But you also get that down and you understand that information can just be spread. Not exactly not hierarchical form, but on a, on a distributed way. And you change people's minds to work uh, with that, in that. That becomes much easier, you know. And information is distributed in favor and that works very well because you're not locked into a specific hierarchy and you can create a string of information on your arting and that same information can be presented on a board that is for the marketing team to work with. That's very unique on favor and having that concept uh, introduce it to people can be a bit challenging, but once that uh, once the team gets used it to working like that, then it's a very, very powerful tool. I like the way that you described it, you know, more as a graph, you know, that uh, it also hints a little bit at the fact that what we're trying to do is to make something which is very intuitive and easy to use on the surface and can look very similar to, you know, things that you're used to before. But, and we put like all the complexity, you know, under the hood. That's really like, you know, the whole thing, you know, with, with what we do. But enough talking about favor now. <laughs> um, obviously, I love to do that. And it's so great to do it also with you. Customers like you are also not only great conversations like this and good customers. It, it's also, uh, you know, inspiration for, I mean, we haven't stopped. I mean, we have a lot of things to do. And, you know, one of the things that we really try to do when we discuss with customers, we try to really discuss the problem they're trying to solve uh, instead of just responding to, let's say, a feature request. I mean, very often when, when, it, when there's a feature request coming in from a customer, I mean, of course, we could choose to simply implement it, but the problem that happens then is that then you start having a very bloated software after a while. And the key thing for us is to really do, you know, the agile thing of asking, you know, five why. It's like, okay, well, why do you want this? What is the problem that causes you to ask for this? And like, you know, what's the problem behind that? And, and when we're able to get to, to really understand you know, the root causes better, it gives us a chance to, to really think better around, well, what would an elegant solution look like? You know, that will be uh, useful and intuitive to a broad group. Personally, I think this is one of the most fun parts running this company that, you know, have the chance to get into those kind of conversations all the time. And you know what, you know, maybe maybe we have a chance to, to do a bit of that in, you know, in Sao Paulo, you know, when I built my previous company, I had a chance to visit, you know, many times and I absolutely love the city. So maybe our, uh, you know, follow up, you know, maybe sometime in the beginning of next year, we can do, we can do like a live podcast take two live from Sao Paulo. That would be awesome. Definitely. You'll be very welcome by, by our Brazilian. <laughs> ways of receiving tourists and friends, you'll be very welcome. We're really glad to do take two. <laughs> all right. That sounds good. You know, well, again, you know, thank you so much. And to all of you listening, uh, you know, if you like this, you know what to do, um, you know, share it on your preferred social media. And, you know, I, I see you in the next one. I hope you enjoyed that interview. I certainly did. If you want to elevate yourself as a modern leader and help your teams become even more successful, then check out Favor Academy at favor.com. They will find podcasts, webinars, articles, all free of charge. Check it out.